Hey folks, um, I appreciate you guys tuning in this week. What I need to do this time around is is a follow-up to last week's episode called Untethered from Reality. I had been talking about managing my oldest son's current sort of crisis situation that he was in. He is, uh, he's 19, he's autistic and schizophrenic and ha- has a bunch of other health issues, serious health issues. And we, we had to wean him off of the medication that he was on called clozapine because he had, he'd started having reactions to it over the last couple of years. Um, and it got to the point where, where we had to take him off of it in order to really assess where he was, figure out what symptoms were actually related to the medication and what were just sort of, sort of like a natural evolution of, of what he's going through. Uh, so when, when we left off last week, I was waiting to hear back from the doctor about whether or not, what to do about Gavin's situation. He had been off the meds for a couple of days and just sort of right off the deep end. I mean, the delusions came in such, uh, so much more intense, so much more significant. And it, it showed us that the meds actually had been working and we, we, we were seeing things that were very concerning you know, he wasn't sleeping at night. He was up doing missions all night. He was, you know, he was getting some kind of weird sort of delusions of grandeur, uh, kind of, kind of scary slash creepy, uncomfortable kind of things. And his doctor had gotten back to me shortly after I had recorded last week's episode and, and said, we need to get him back on the meds. So we put him on, he was supposed to go back on the same dose that he was on before. Cause we didn't want to go any higher. Uh, because they were the, the side effects were, were would likely be worse, so he went back on 300 milligrams of clozapine. Uh, we were supposed to do it at night because he was he was leaving his his bed at night and running missions and hearing voices that were telling him to do things and stuff like that. And so the idea behind putting him putting him in uh, on that at night was to help him sleep through the night, keep him safe, keep everybody else safe until we sort of got the medication back in the system. It shouldn't have been a problem. Um, 300 milligrams is a very, is a historically low dose for Gavin. Uh, he had been on 800 milligrams for a very, very long time, which is insanely high. Uh, but it's only because of the way he metabolizes medications. They have to have him on a higher dose because it burns through his system faster than his body can sort of utilize the medication to correct whatever it needs to correct. So, so this, this shouldn't have had an, an impact. Uh, he had taken his first dose back, you know, he'd gone back on meds last Friday at like 9 PM at bedtime. A couple hours later, around midnight, we started hearing noise in his bedroom, a bunch of banging around and stuff like that. We, we assumed as we had been dealing with previously that he was, he had woken up and was running missions. And so we just sort of let it go because there's not really anything we can do about it. If he'd gotten any louder, we would, you know, go upstairs and, and have him keep it down. So he didn't wake up his brothers. And so a little bit of time goes by. Next thing we know, we hear a big thump in the hallway. And so I run upstairs and, and he's laying on the floor in the hallway, completely disoriented. Uh, I mean, we're talking like he was trying to talk, but all he made were noises. Uh, he, he was drooling profusely, which is, unusual because he has chronic dry mouth, which actually causes him some problems. And, and so 
he shouldn't be having, he shouldn't even be able to drool. <laughs> um, he had lost control of, of other bodily functions. Um, he couldn't sit up. He couldn't hold his head up. He couldn't talk. Uh, when he was when when he was laying back on the floor, you, he was he was choking on on his on the saliva in his mouth, and so I was concerned about you know his his airway. Trying to sit him up, like if I sat him up, he would just flop over, um, because like he he just he could not control his body. You know he would sort of he would try to stand up and then just sort of like veer off to the side and, and sort of fall under the wall or something. And he, he was pretty contained in the hallway. Uh, so he wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, he wasn't really unsafe as far as that. I mean, I, I kept him sort of in a corner sitting up so that his airway was less compromised uh, while we sort of figured out what was going on and decided what we needed to do. Ultimately, we ended up calling 911 for a couple reasons. One, I didn't feel comfortable managing this at home. I was a medic for a while and I've seen a lot of things. I was not comfortable managing this at home, especially especially because of his airway. The rest of it, whatever, the airway was, was what my my primary concern was. Um, he, he, he has so many other health issues that this could have been anything. We sort of assumed it was the clozapine, uh, just sort of like a bad reaction or, or his body overreacted to it. But there was no way to know for sure. You know, it could have been a blood sugar issue. We we couldn't test his blood at home. I mean, he's not diabetic, so we don't have a, a historic problem with that. But it could have been. You know, it was very similar to someone who was uh, uh, hypoglycemic. So that could have been a problem. Uh, it, he could have had a seizure, and it just wasn't witnessed. He has epilepsy, and, and he just had a, a seizure that we didn't witness. And he was he was postictal, and this was that could have been what happened. Um, he could have had an autonomic crisis, which he's had countless times and they all sort of present the same way. There, there was no way for us to know. And the safest, most responsible thing to do at that point was to call 911. So Liz called 911 and Gavin was, was sort of managed in the corner at the same time. I'm trying to get his, his brothers up and moving, uh, because I didn't want them to be woken by lights and siren and police coming in the house and fire uh fire trucks and ambulances that would have that would have been a bad thing uh, so I, I i woke them up i explained they have to get dressed because gavin has to go to the hospital and they're going to their grandma's house elliot did pretty well with it he he was he was very sort of proactive about getting ready and, and doing what he could to help out even though we were trying to shield him from this um emmett just sort of broke down and sobbed. It, it was heartbreaking, but there was, there was nothing that I could do to really comfort him because I had to keep Gavin safe. And Liz was on the phone with the dispatch so she couldn't do anything. Elliot was trying. It, it, it was just, it was just, it was just awful. My, my, my dad had shown up because uh, we had talked to my, Liz had talked to my dad before I decided that we needed to call 911. He actually got here right before the ambulance did. And so he was helping me to try and sort of keep Gavin under control uh, and, and sort of manage the boys. The ambulance arrived. They had sent police out, I think for a couple of reasons. One, because Liz mentioned that he was autistic. And so, you know, you could be dealing with someone who may be combative or something. I mean, they, they, they don't know. And so safety comes first. 
Uh, and then I think the other issue was that, that she had said that she suspects it was medication related. Uh, and so then they assume overdose. And, and, and so the police respond to that anyways. Uh, and then they take reports and document what happened, whatever. The cop was awesome. He was, he was so good about everything. Um, very compassionate. I, I really very impressed with how, how well he handled the situation. Um, and recognize that Gavin wasn't a threat to anyone or anything like that. And, and he kept apologizing for having to be there, but, but, you know, he had to document things because it could have been medication related. And so he got some information while the, but the medics were bringing Gavin downstairs and getting him into the ambulance. Um, I went with them in the ambulance to the hospital. Liz waited until her parents came to pick up the boys. And then my dad brought Liz to the hospital to, to be with us. So we were in the ER for a little while. Um, I, I was a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, when they, they knew that he was, he was autistic and, and that, that there were mental health issues and and they didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I mean, I really, they did a really good job, but they had security there because they were concerned that he might be combative and, and things like that. And I don't know, I, I, I didn't like that, but I understand why they make those assumptions. Uh, so that, so it, it was cool. And, and the cops, you know, the cop was there and, and, you know, he explained that everything was fine. Gavin's not combative. He's just, he's just out of it right now with whatever's going on. Uh, and so, you know, they, they sort of got him sort of stabilized. And when they, they sort of assessed him and realized that he has other health complications. So they put him into a different room where they can monitor him more closely. Ultimately he was admitted uh, they were concerned that he had had a stroke because of his slurring of his speech, whatever. So they wanted to rule that out. Uh, so he had a CT scan and, and we were there for 12 or 13 hours, uh, in, in the, in the, the neuro floor, like the stroke floor, his vitals were, were unstable. Uh, his heart rate was really high. His blood pressure was really high, which is, could be a sign that it was an autonomic crisis. Uh, but, but again, there was, there was no way to know. And there's nothing, you, you know, even if it was an autonomic crisis, there's nothing you can do for it. It's sort of supportive care, you know, uh, like oxygen and, and, and fluids and stuff like that. That's about it. You can't do anything else. The body just has to sort of kick back in. I guess that makes sense. Like the gears have to catch. And, you know, so, so it was, it was, it was scary because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what we were dealing with. And, you know, Gavin, he, he was very frustrated. You could see he was frustrated because he was trying to talk and he couldn't, he was trying to move, but, but he couldn't, he couldn't gracefully move. I mean, Gavin's not super graceful anyways. Coordination is not one of his strong suits, but I mean, he would try and pick something, pick something up or reach for something. And his arm would just fly off to the side. I mean, he, he, he had no control over his body and that was very frustrating for him. Uh, it was heartbreaking for us to see that too. And, and so it just, it was, it was just a, a terrible situation. As the night went on, you know, they did multiple rounds of blood work. You know, they found that he had something like his potassium was low, but that really isn't related to anything. And so they addressed that and the CT can, uh, CT scan came back clean and, you know, his, his urine tests were clean. I mean, they're looking at blood sugar things and stuff like that and everything was fine. Uh, so, so it was basically decided that, that we were correct in the sense that it was, it was a cause of pain and he just had he essentially was over-medicated. His body reacted as though he was over-medicated. The dose that he was on should not have caused that reaction. 
because he's been on that dose for a long time. So, so it shouldn't have been an issue. And it's actually historically a very low dose for him. Uh, like I said, I think before he was, he was on 800 milligrams for a long time. And that barely even took the edge off uh, for him. And, and that's, that's a serious, serious dose of, of clozapine. We had to have special permission from the FDA to, to even to, to use that. You know, it, it was, it shouldn't have happened. So I, you know, I, I don't look at his doctor as, as making a mistake or, or us really making a mistake. There was no way to know that he was going to have a different reaction this time than what he's had in the past. And, and, you know, we sort of, we sort of live and we learn, unfortunately. And, and, you know, ultimately I think by, by like seven or eight o'clock the following morning, he, he was really starting to kind of come out of that, that state that he was in and, and he was more coherent and he was finally able to, to talk without slurring his words he had, he had sort of regained control over his body. He he wasn't losing control of his, you know, his his bladder and things like that anymore. So he he was he was okay. Um, we ended up meeting with a couple of doctors. The the, the psych team came down and and the uh, the medical staff was in and the nurses. They were all really great with him. Uh, they they took really good care of him. You know, this was sort of an unusual thing. I think I don't know if they've seen anything like this. Uh, because I mean, nobody's seen anybody like Gavin. He's very unique and very complex, uh, sort of breaks the mold in every area, which is, is frustrating because we can never really figure anything out. But, you know, thankfully he pulled out of it and, and he's sort of back at his baseline. You know, he's, he's, he's back on the clozapine. Um, in fact, today he's back up to 300 milligrams and, and he's not having any reactions to the meds. So he's okay with that. We think what happened was, you know, we needed to, he just wasn't able to handle going right back on that dose. And so we split it up over four or five days and got him back up slowly. And he's, he's been fine. I don't know that it's working because he is just as delusional now as he was when we realized he needed to go back on the meds. So we're not real sure what to do with that. We follow up with his, his psychiatrist, I think next week. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but physically, uh, he's, he's good. So we don't have that to worry about. And, and we're very grateful for that. And you know, everybody was really good with him and, you know, very patient and understanding. And, and that's, it's not, it's not easy to find that truthfully. I mean, a lot of times when you're dealing with mental health issues or, or they hear, you know, that your child has autism or, or something like that, you tend to sort of not get that kind of treatment. You know, people don't understand or they, they don't have the patience. And and we've been very lucky that, you know, the hospitals around us, especially at the Cleveland Clinic and Akron Children's, um, they, they, they are really good with, with our kids. Uh, so we're very, very grateful for that. I, I think that, you know, we have to sort of let the dust settle at this point and see, sort of where we are, uh, maybe in a week or so and, and decide what we're going to do. I don't think that we can go any higher than 300. I don't, I don't think we can. I mean, maybe we can, I, I don't know. We have to talk to his doctor. Uh, he may just need more time on the meds to sort of stabilize him. But you know, the stuff that he's, he, he is in a constantly delusional state, uh, delusions of grandeur. I mean, he's not, a, he's not a danger t- to anybody. Uh, right now, 
but I, but I, I am concerned about some of the content in the missions that he's doing and some of the choices that he's making in the missions. He's always the good guy. He's always, whatever happens is happening to a bad guy, but it's getting a little bit darker and it's, it's making me uncomfortable. Uh, the level that he is, he's taking some of these battles to. And I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's probably nothing to worry about. It just, it's, it's unnerving for me. And, and we'll have to talk to his, his doctor and see what we do next week. Uh, I, I just wanted to sort of follow up with that because, you know, we had, we had talked about managing the crisis and I had no idea that was going to happen. And so we had to adapt sort of in the moment and, and address something that we hadn't planned on addressing. And because it sort of tied in with what we were talking about last week and it sort of completed the story, I wanted to, to sort of finish that off uh, this week. Uh, I'd written about it a few times, but, uh, you know, it, it was, I wanted to finish it out here because, uh, you know, my listeners don't always read, readers don't always listen. So uh, I just think this was a, a good way to sort of sort of tie it up and, and put it behind us. I'm hoping that it can be sort of a teaching moment for people, you know, how to handle situations, maybe what happens when something like this happens. Uh, you know, there are, there are medical crises, there are uh, mental health crises, and, and this was sort of a combination of both, and, and it, it sort of is what it is. So again, we have to, we'll wait until next week and see what happens, uh, and then just sort of manage what we can until then. So uh, I, I appreciate all of the, the love and support that, we, that we've received via social media or direct messages or phone calls, whatever. I really appreciate it, guys. Um, it, it, it was pretty scary. We, we didn't know what to expect, and uh, there was no way to know what the outcome was going to be. So we're very grateful for the way that it worked out. Very grateful for all the love and support. I really appreciate you guys tuning in and, and listening. You can follow me at theautismdad.com. All my social links are at the top right. Really only use Twitter. So if you need me, you can find me there or email me from my site. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on every one of the major podcasting apps out there. Please hit the subscribe button. It really helps to support my efforts. Uh, really appreciate that. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.